Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Adam White and Samuel Rook. The nights are getting a little colder now. The darkness is setting in, but that just means one thing really to me. The football season is really getting into the swing of things. But before taking a look at the European action and the upcoming weekend of league uh, fixtures, here's the latest news. Paris Saint-Germain claimed their third straight win of Group B on Wednesday, scoring four past Anderlecht and are still to concede in Europe this season. The day before, Monaco fell to a 2-1 defeat against Besiktas at the Stade Louis II, leaving the French champions bottom of their group with just a single point and a mounting to climb if they want to qualify for the next round. Marseille came from behind to beat Vittoria de Gramesh, if I'm saying that right, I'm terrible at Portuguese pronunciations, 2-1 thanks to goals from Lucas Acampos and Maxime Lopez, while Nice fell to a 3-1 defeat at home to high-flying Serie A side Lazio. And finally, Lyon managed their first win in the Europa League campaign with a 2-1 victory away to Everton, thanks to goals from Bertrand Traore and Nabil Fekir. That's for you all for your roundup. But remember, for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. Let's start this week in Europe, where we tend to when we have uh, those fixtures on. And side, we had uh, five sides in action. And PSG won in comfortable style, Adam. Um, are they winning this group at a canter? I would have said so perhaps about two or three weeks ago after the uh, the second game of the group when they beat Bayern Munich that they looked like easily the strongest in the group. Bayern looked a bit sort of out of it and a, a little bit worse for wear under Angelotti. Um, but now with Heinkers back in charge at Bayern Munich, they they look like they're they've got their sort of mojo back if you like. They look like they. Um, they're, they're sort of drilled with it into their lives again, which I know that they they like. They like the, the Bayern players, are, and, and it's kind of a characteristic of quite a few German teams and, and squads as well. They like the, the the sort of regimented, very precise, and like sort of a lot of drilling in in training. So, and I definitely think Heinkes is the man that provides that, especially for the players that have been there a long time that were used to under Guardiola and Heinkes before him, of course. So I think that that game where PSG go to Bayern Munich is going to be a hell of a game. Um, and PSG have learned from last year in particular and other times, but last year it was a particularly bad example where they, a, a group they really should have won with Arsenal and Luda Gerritsen and they drew with Luda Gerritsen on the final day, that two-all draw and end up coming second and obviously playing Barcelona, obviously we know what happened there. So winning the group is a huge priority for them early on in the season. And with, with the way that Bayern looked last night against Celtic, they, looked, they really did look like them, their old selves again. I know they're probably not of the standard, of, you know, the, the top points of that sort of Heinkers Guardiola era, but they're still they're still like they could be contenders again. So I think although PSG look as strong as they ever did, um, Bayern Munich will be looking to win that game at at the at the Allianz Arena, and who knows <clears throat> the group could be up for grabs. So I think PSG will be perfectly content with how how the the group's gone so far, but Bayern will be a very tough competition when it comes to that return leg, and it'll be a great game. Um, whether Bayern can overturn the, what, the three-goal deficit they'd need to, to beat PSG, assuming that each team wins all their other games to, to top the group is another question, but it'll certainly, they'll certainly give it a good go and uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a great game. So not winning this group at the canter just yet, but I, I still fancy them to just edge it. 
Yeah, and Sam, that was an important win, really. And nine points in the Champions League can never be really grumbled at. And you do really fancy them when that uh, return leg, at least anyway, against Anderlecht to pick up 12. Does that mean that PSG should maybe start prepping for the next round already? Arguably, yes. I mean, this group looks very much within their grasp. They they looked very much in control, even when they weren't that bothered against Anderlecht. There were moments where they sort of took the foot off the gas. I think Mbappe said this, said this morning that they sort of fell asleep because they scored too early, which is a, a sort of a funny thing to complain about. But as soon as they switched back on, they, they ran away with it once again. But yeah, you have to start looking at potential uh who? How do you approach the tougher games? And and this uh, away at Bayern Munich will be the first real test. We we thought home against Bayern would be a test, but it turned out not to be. But as Adams mentioned, it's not the same Bayern anymore. And away at Bayern is that's your real taste of what the knockout rounds will bring. Those are the games that you can't fall asleep in. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a something they have to watch out for, and complacency any in any fixture really is a not the best thing. But someone who's maybe been a bit complacent for the last couple of weeks is a uh, Monaco who lost again at home to Besiktas. Um, Sam, that's a crushing blow, really. Um, is it now probably a bridge too far for them to qualify for the next round? It's looking very difficult, but the one advantage that Monaco do have is that. It's been a very competitive group. Besiktas aside, who are nine points from nine, they're out of everyone's reach, but everyone else is a bit of a dogfight. Four points, three points. Monaco, bottom with one point, but they've got a home game against Leipzig. If they can win that, that could be crucial. These You've got two very difficult away games. I mean, you can't have a lot of optimism based on the results, based on the way they're playing. They just lack the cohesion that we sort of came to associate with them Last season, it looks very difficult. You'd have to say, based on the way they've played the last few weeks, that a Europa League place would be a victory at this point. Yeah, I mean, when you start comparing the the other teams, they still have to face again. They're both Leipzig are picking back up a little bit again, and Porto give them a real lesson in the in the other game. But in in this specific game, uh, Adam, what what did you feel was missing? Even when Monaco went ahead, it, they never felt like they were really in control of things. No, they didn't. Um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about on the pod last week, sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, about Leon and that they perhaps lack the control that they had last season with their attacking players. That there has been such a big turnover uh, in forward areas at Leon that although um, you know they're scoring plenty of goals, perhaps not getting the control that they're getting from their attacking players. And I think for Monaco, the issue is a similar similar one. Um, <clears throat> their defence is almost identical, except without Benjamin Mendy, who's not the most defensive of fullbacks. Um, uh, but I feel like they they look like they're very they they they, they could concede at any moment because the the forward areas aren't just strong they can't they can't sort of attack to defend if you like they can't put other teams under pressure which alleviates the pressure on on their defence without Bakayoko alongside Fabinho they're still working out how that that midfield area is going to work without Bakayoko do they go with a two do they go with a three or Tielemans and Moutinho in there as well. And without Mbappe, who offered such a such a so much pace in behind, obviously, and a real outlet, which put other teams under pressure, which forced them back away from their defence, which we're now seeing is perhaps a little bit more rickety than than perhaps last season's last season's all action performances let on. So at this level, I think they do really struggle with that because in 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 Ligue 1, they they're still come to be the better team in most games, and 
um, they, they, they're still able to put enough teams under enough pressure to not be exposed at the back. But when they come up against sort of a higher standard of opposition in bigger games who, who, are, who, who are going to go at them as well, they, they don't have the control in forward areas or even in midfield areas anymore to really, to really control games and put other teams under pressure. And they're exposed in defensive areas because as good as Bakayoko and Fabinho were last season in that, that central one, they were brilliant. They dominated midfield, even though they might have been outnumbered on occasion they're not the most they're not the, they're not the, the makaleli type they're not they're not necessarily not necessarily anyway going to be cleaning up in front of their their back four much as like a third center back that's not necessarily their job they're very mobile and they got around the pitch very very well fabinho is still doing that very very well but i i still think that there's a lot of gaps there that can be exploited and better teams are doing that to them and i think this is what's happened in the champions league we start they started the season brilliantly and won lots one lots of you know the home of them being dijon fantastically but dijon's a a very different proposition to porto and besiktas so i think that for, at last those players that have moved are now you know, it's sort of coming home to roost a little bit and i don't think monaco are going to even get into europa league i think they're really going to really going to struggle they're going to need to win that game at besiktas they should start six in the Turkish league, which is sort of, given how well they've done in, in, in the Champions League, is, is a bizarre fact. So it's, you know, they, they, they can't be impregnable, but still a very, very difficult game. And I, I think this, this season, at least, the Champions League is maybe a step too high or a step too far for Monaco. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a real worry for them now. I, I, they really felt disjointed, I thought. Yeah, you pointed out perfectly, Adam, the, the midfield is still a conundrum, really. They, they weren't great at the weekend. They were probably even worse in mid in midweek, I think Moutinho really looked out of sorts, and I'm still not sold on 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 Balde partnering Falcao as well. They didn't really work together. Balde had a really good moment for the goal, but other than that, he kept going too far forward. There was too much of a gap between the the attack and the midfield, and it, it, they really really struggled at times, unfortunately. And I really worry for them at the Vodafone Arena. I mean, there was a that incident there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago where Timo Werner needed uh, earplugs in to uh, deal That's with it. the crowd. So uh, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how <laughs> how intimidating that atmosphere is going to be. Uh, on to the Europa League games from uh, from this week. And uh, we'll start with Nice, who played Lazio in what, what was probably one of the more interesting games of the round, Sam. Um, a tough result, but one you maybe accept against a team like Lazio, who are playing really well at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Nice would have come into this game optimistic, sort of hoping that they could uh, carry on their good European form. But Lazio are one of the the rising teams in Europe this season. They've just knocked off Juventus's forty odd game home unbeaten streak. They they look really really strong, and they looked really strong against Nice. Nice had plenty of the ball. They put some nice moments together. Mendy looked good. Schneider was playing again, which was nice to see. Balotelli was Balotelli he you know he got a goal he could have had another he had some good moments some bad ones uh but this is not a disaster by any stretch I mean Nice can lose home and away to Lazio and and still very much like their chances of getting through to the next round and that obviously has to be the objective Lazio will almost certainly top this group but Nice is still in a very strong position to go through yeah, they're a really good team at the moment to watch Lazio as well. Um, Marseille, Adam, had to come from behind <laughs> in uh, against the uh, Portuguese side, Vitoria. Um, it's one of those funny moments where the Marseille Twitter was going uh, into meltdown for the longest time yet again. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they, they will beat us again. Um, how did you take this game? It was, it was an interesting one because in the build-up, there was a lot of debate over what team was going to be picked by Rudy Garcia. 
And obviously with La Classique at the weekend, which, which we'll talk about later on, um, there's an onus, uh, given given this type of club that Marseille are and the size of club and how vociferous their fans are and how much they, how seriously take that, they take that game against PSG. Although in the context of the season, it's probably not as important as they would they would you know have you believe. Um, there was sort of an onus on on Garcia to rest <clears throat> in this game, and and obviously that it panned out like that with Mitrogo on the bench. Tuvan didn't even make the squad. Pai was on the bench and didn't get on at all. Um, Sacco was rested out entirely. So there was there was a lot of changes to the team. And as soon as the game started, with such an empty at the empty stadium, I think the, I don't know what the attendance was for this game. But the previous game against was it Konya Sport at home yeah. was only eight thousand, which is which is ridiculous for Marseille, um, and it was a similar situation here. And I just as soon as they said that, I just felt that they weren't going to win. I just there was there, something's going to go horribly wrong here. Fortunately, I was wrong for from Marseille's point of view. But it was a like it has been for Marseille for most of the season. It was it was a struggle, and it really feels like that they're willing these wins into existence partly out of luck a little bit, partly out of having just good players. And they definitely haven't, which is odd, they haven't gelled, which is which is odd because they've this team has been around a, li- a little little while now. And Agassi has been there sort of, you know, a decent amount of time. So you feel like that they would be gelling, but they still look like a collection of players rather than a team. And the, the, the way they want to play seems... It seems a bit vague. I, I don't. It's one of those classic situations which we talk about in in all leagues, not just in France, but across the continent. I don't know what the plan is, and and how are they going out to win this game? And it really felt like that. They just got, Victoria Gamarish got at them, scored a really good goal, um, and for the first for much of the first half, they were the better side. And although they're probably on paper the weakest side in this group, they were they they looked like they were going to get at least a draw out of this game, but. This, this, as Marseille have done for many times this season, they sort of they were able to sort of find their way back into the game. A couple of nice finishes, and and they were able to hold out. But I still feel like there's a lot of work to be done in both Ligue 1 and 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 in Europe. It was a bit. It was a. We should say this was a really big win for them, having lose, lost in Salzburg. If they'd lost here, they would have been. You know, having having got some of their more difficult games to come, it would have been a bit of a sticky situation for them going. Because I think getting into the into the into the knockout stage, I think getting into the knockout stage is a bit of a minimum requirement for Garcia this season. So, an important win, and in classic, well, it's becoming classic Marseille style without really playing well at all. But they got the three points, and I think I think that's huge. And um, hopefully they'll they'll be able to kick on in in the rest of the season and the rest of this group. But still, a lot of work for Garcia and his, his players to do. Absolutely, and I got the the good job of of covering the uh, Leon Everton game, really, and it was a strange one. I, I think Leon played reasonably well, especially in the first half, and pretty much shaded it, deserved the win. Um, but the talking point coming out of it, as people might have already seen on Twitter so far, will be the mini brawl that happened just before uh, Everton's equaliser, and it's a bit of an ugly one, really. Lopez goes to catch the ball. And uh, Ashley Williams decides to absolutely barrel into him. There's no need for it. Um, in the build-up to it, arguably Lopez nudges into him to get into space. It's maybe a little bit cheeky from the goalkeeper, but Ashley Williams is about twice his size. He throw, he forcefully pushes the goalkeeper to the floor, and it leads to a bit of a scramble. Um, there are shots of a man holding a young child trying to hit um, Anthony Lopez in the head. I think he strikes him with a sort of open palm. It's a bit. 
a bit comical, but also a bit worrying at the same time. It's it's not the greatest moment. And in all honesty, uh, there's a there's a moment where Ashley Williams is throwing a punch as well at, at Lucas Tussar. He should be sent off. Um, he does score the equaliser as well to to rub it in. And as he's running away to celebrate, absolutely pummels uh, Lucas Tussar with a with a massive body blow that sends him flying as well. Um, so he might not be the most popular character there but uh, justice was served in the end that, that Leon get a, a massive win really for them I mean two draws so far weren't the greatest start but now they're on five points um, Atlanta, Atlanta won uh, today as well which puts them on seven then the teams below them are on one and well well two and one so it, it separates them a little bit uh, and it'll be another massive game uh, in a couple of weeks when they play Everton at the Parkwell a win there and they might even see themselves through which is a, a great result given how they they started this Europa League campaign and uh, nice to see Fakir again shining and, and Awa, who absolutely deserves a shout out. He was really, really good again and uh, really impressing, although um, the pie, less than said, the better. Um, on to League on action now, really. And we start our preview with uh, Saint-Étienne facing Montpellier tomorrow night. Uh, Adam, Saint-Étienne can go up to second with a win in this one. Can they do it? Yeah, so they can. Um, it's 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 a it's an interesting season for Sanetian. After that um, defeat against Troyes, which with Troyes ten men, obviously a promoted team, and a few sort of more shaky performances, the draw of Rennes the week before, a very very narrow win over Dijon, which they didn't really deserve. Rufio was fantastic on that on the night there to get them that win. I kind of felt like the honeymoon period for Garcia, Oscar Garcia this time, was was over. Um, but given that it's so tight behind PSG with Monaco losing last week and with the next, what, five, six, seven teams within a few points of each other. Those poor performances, although they still got some decent results in those few games, obviously, they've kept in touch and um, deservedly, to some extent, are, are still up there in, in third place. Um, and obviously, they, they with a win here, Monaco don't get the result they want, they will go into second, which would be, would be quite something. Um, Sanetian, it'd be an interesting season for Sanetian if they've chased the Champions League spot for so long under, under uh, Christophe Galtier and came so close so many times to, for everything to fall into place this year. No European football, which has really hindered them before. Um, a new manager, a bit of a new manager bounce, slightly new ideas, a, bit, a little bit of refreshing of the squad. And it's all, it may all sort of fall into place. And who knows, they could finish in second or third this season if Monaco's form continues to deteriorate. Which would be, I imagine, Professor Gautier wouldn't be particularly pleased given how hard he tried to get them into the Champions League. But it, 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 it has that feeling about it that anybody could finish in second or well, third at least, and maybe even second the way Monaco are going. And Sinetian, given, like, given that they're one of those teams that doesn't have European football and you know, they look a little bit fresher, and some of those players are really benefiting from the extra rest, which, is, which really was huge for them. And when Bordeaux and as well, they could not handle that, that, that two games a week situation then they've got a huge chance of, of finishing in a Champions League spot. And with this game against Montpellier, you'd, you'd expect them to win. Obviously, Mich Michel de Curran's done very well to set that Montpellier's team and not concede any goals, many goals like he did in uh, at Nantes as well. But it's still a game you'd expect Sinetian to win and to be on the front foot. And like they were against Mets last week, to win with, with some space to spare, if you like. Although they were 1-0 down at that game, they ended up winning 3-1 and played pretty well in the last half an hour. So they'll be going into this game really confident and I expect them to win. And... Who knows where the season can lead them? It's going to be extremely tight between second and seventh, or even eighth this season. And Sanetian have a lot going for them, and I can see them finishing third, which would be a great achievement. And uh, um, especially considering that they're one of the teams in the top half or the top six that don't have foreign investment, which they've sort of bemoaned on on occasion. But 
it, it could uh, it it could not be as big a thing as they've they've said. So I hope Sebastian keep it up and that race at the top keeps as close as it's been so far. Yeah, and it's important they get this uh, Jordan, uh, Jonathan Bambus situation sorted out, out as yeah. well. He's uh, stalling Zara, on a contract as well. Yeah, it's really disappointing after a great start to the season. Um, mm. It de- obviously depends on how much he's asking for, but yeah. uh, hopefully they can get that fixed. Um, mm. Sam, Montpellier are a team that, that really like facing big sides at the moment. They've been pretty damn good, really, in the last few weeks, despite the tough opposition. They faced the top two and uh, last season's third place side, Nice, and took five points. Um, is this another opportunity to prove how stubborn they can be? Well, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Either it is another opportunity to prove that they are the best team in France at playing the best teams in France, or this is the one where all that good hard work maybe just comes a little bit to pieces because they have to work so hard for those results against PSG, Monaco, and Nice. Everything had to be perfect. No mistakes could be made, and they did that. They've done that three times in a row. Significant underdogs in each of those games take five points from those three opponents. Virtually no one else in Ligue 1 is going to pull off that run of results this season. So if to, uh, to see them doing it a fourth time in a row would be, would be quite something. Uh, but having said that, we talked about this last week, Montpellier are one of the few teams in Liga who really know who they are. They know what they're trying to do. They know it's all about being in unison. Zakarian said this week, we're not PSG. We don't play like PSG. We play as a unit. We play as one body moving together. And, and that's the way they're going to have to play again here. Fourth week in a row, play their style, play against a team who will attack them, take them on and try and break them down. And if they can do what they've done for the last three weeks, follow the same script, there's no reason they couldn't pull off a fourth upset, as unlikely perhaps as it seems. Yeah, it's, they, they've been really, really good in the last couple of weeks. I've been absolutely impressed of how they've really changed things around because I was really down on them to start the season. But uh, maybe that change in fashion sense from uh, Desikarian last week with that wonderful pink scarf has maybe just uh, just nudged them in the right direction again. Um, let's move on to the one of the interesting games, and I'll also maybe pun this one, the Adam Derby, because these are two teams you have a bit of a soft spot for in uh, Angers and Toulouse. But we'll talk about... Um, the the um, Toulouse in this one for you, Adam, at least. And they got off the mark last week after a barren run and deservedly so against uh, Amiens. Uh, do you think this is a chance for them to build some kind of momentum now? Yes, I think it is. And um, you're also absolutely right. This is definitely the Adam Derby. This is actually what I call it myself because uh, they're two, my two favourite teams. So um, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's, it, I, it should be said it's the game that kept Toulouse up when uh, Duprazer came in the last 10 games, there were 10 points of driven 10 games to play, and they won 3-2 at Angers. It's after that that amazing team talk, that speech he gave, that's, if uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out on, on YouTube, that you don't need to speak French to be moved by it. Uh, and having it with subtitles, there is a subtitle version too, which uh, which is which is fantastic. There's, there's some of his language and the, the way, how sort of fiery his personality is, it's great. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this game, and it definitely is a chance for Toulouse to build some momentum after that win uh, last week in Amiens, because I feel like it's a little bit of a, a sort of a, a gap separating between the bottom six and what's so a Ren, Lille, Amiens, Dijon, Strasbourg, six points and three points for Mets at the bottom and then 10 points to Nice and upwards. And to lose, if they'd lost that game last week, perhaps they would have been a little bit adrift of, of, of that sort of mid-table group, which they really need to be in, because as we discussed on the pod before, they've got a very good squad. They, you know, they invested in, in the summer in some, in some really interesting players in Gianni and Bula and Max Gradle. Um, and a few others too. 
So they're expecting a top half finish this season, and that's per still perfectly within their grasp. So <clears throat> they are going to need to start winning their home games, which is, which is what they were very good at under Depraz last season and the season before. Um, but they've, as you mentioned, they've sort of been a bit lacklustre in, in recent weeks. And um, I think that Depraz perhaps has started, or at least maybe in some respects, that, that sort of cult hero status that he has, he's started to sort of fade a little bit and their sold up and down form has gone on a bit too long. It's a long time since they started the last season so brilliantly and they, you know, they beat PSG in Monaco at home. That kind of bombastic all action in your face to lose team isn't 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 really there anymore. And he's his job is to try and get that back. And the so job one in that is winning his home games and, and winning them in that sort of passionate style that they 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 did so wonderfully under him last season and the season before. Um so going to Angers um, it's it's another game that, that if they want to finish in that midfield, they'll be expecting to win. Two wins in a row, um, and, and undefeated in what? Well, that would only be three games undefeated. So it's a little bit of momentum for them to build. But I still think there's a lot to come from this team. We talked about, you know, Max Gradle, who's a very, very good player in this league, who's fantastic, Sumetian. He's been injured for the last, what, five games. Um, uh, Jenny and Buda's, yeah, really to, yeah, to hit his stride. Christopher Julien, who's a, a centre-back I really rate, has, has sort of dropped off form this season. Was, the president actually took the captaincy away from him and gave it to Issa Diop, his centre-back partnership, his partner. He hasn't been on top form. So there's still a lot to come from this team. And if they can, if the press can find the right sort of concoction of, of in the midfield as well, which has been a bit um, changeable, I'm not sure he knows what his best midfield is at the moment. But if you can find the right, the right you know, group of, group of players, nucleus of players, and there's a lot to come from this team. And another win here would be fantastic momentum and it could push them well into the top half of the table. And who knows, we could see them to lose that 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 makes me such a big fan of them and uh, of, of Depraz as well going into the winter months. Yeah, it'd be really interesting if they can. But Sam, they face another team in Angers that finally got off to getting a big three points after taking a long while to pick up their second win of the season. But one man has really stood out in the last few weeks and that, and that's uh, Carl Tokoy Kambay. How good has he been this season? He's a really interesting player, Toko Akambi. He sort of does everything when he does things. Sometimes he doesn't do a great deal, but when he does things, he can do pretty much everything. He's not that tall. He's not that physically imposing, but he plays like a tank. He's not that quick, but he can get away from people. He's got these great feet. He scored all kinds of goals this season, a beautiful little one-two against Lyon, cutting in, curler against Nice, a big, powerful goal against Kong. He can do a little bit of everything. Uh, the assist as well against Kong, which was just cold-blooded the way on the break, rather than playing the obvious pass, taking his time, turning, playing in the man who, Fulgini, who did score the goal, secure the win, first win, as you say, in quite some time. When he plays well, he does everything. He's a, he's a fantastic player when he's on, and, and he's been on for a month now, three goals in three games, and he's really looking like he's found a home in his sort of shifted position. He's no longer playing out wide as much. He's playing through the middle a lot more, and it may have taken some time to adjust to that, but his, his goal-scoring ratio is really starting to show that it, it was the right call. And if he plays like this, Angers can carry on climbing up the table again. Hmm, and that'll be really good for them because they've been they have been really good this season. It's just been a couple of moments here, a couple of moments there where they maybe would have nicked a win and they've not quite done it. And it's great to see them get off the mark. And this is going to be a really interesting game. I did forget the predictions in the first one, so we'll go back to those in a moment. But I'll 
stick with this one first. And Adam, what's your prediction in your derby? <laughs> um, I'm going to say 3-2 to lose. Sam? Uh, I'm going to say 1-1. I'm going to back my man Toko Akambi to get another goal. Yeah, I, I'm going to go for a, a, a 2-1 win for, for Angers. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to back a Toko Akambi double. He has been really good recently as well. And quickly on the previous game, at least, and I'll start with you, Sam. Uh, Saint-Étienne Montpellier. Uh, I'm going to back the upset. I think Montpellier can can do do the ridiculous, do it four times in a row. It'll have to be 1-0. Adam? I'm going to say the other way. I'm going to say 1-0 Saint-Étienne. I'm going to go for a 0-0 draw. I'm going to go a classic Saint-Étienne result. One that Montpellier will be more than pleased with, really. Um, On to two sides that are... <laughs> That's maybe the best expression to put it, that uh, onomatopoeia right there. Um, Adam, Lille are on a horrid run, really. It's been seven games without a win. Um, not since the opening day of the season have they taken three points. And it's a game against another really horrid side, really. But this is this now a chance for Bielsa's side to finally right the ship? You would have to think so. Although, given, as you mentioned, both these teams are very much on a very poor run of form. Um, and you, as a Lille fan and as, as a Lille member of staff or someone with, at Lille, Ren are probably the perfect team to play at the moment, given they're in such a similar situation and uh, given that they're on an equally sort of, they're, they're, in, they're in a sort of very equally poor run of form and th- there's a lot of parallels between the two teams. The only thing is perhaps going away to Ren is obviously a little bit of a disadvantage. They probably would have preferred to have them at home. But I think for Lille, they, they do just need a win. They, they look like a side lacking confidence and lacking in togetherness and lacking in the belief that they can that they can be the team that everybody expected them to be under Bielsa. So, and a win here would, would absolutely do that for them. Um, I think there's still some positives to take so far from the season, despite the fact that it's verge, been a verging, sort of verging on, on a disaster a little bit. Um, I think Thiago Mendes has come in and done really, really well. Every time I see him play, he absolutely runs that team. And, and against Nantes on the first day when they won 3-0, which they did look really good, uh, he was fantastic then. And they really, really missed him when he missed those four or five games out uh, through injury. Um, so since he came back in, he was superb last week against uh, against Troyes. And um, I think it's it's he's a real find for them coming into, coming into European football for the first time. Um, I, st- I still like the look of Luis Araujo, who's who's coming from from Brazil as well. Um, nice, nice little finisher, very good on the ball, very nippy, very waspish kind of player. So that they've got one or two sort of bright sparks that they could hopefully make make the most of. And although that they're be also struggling to get a tune out of them, they are very much um, a collection of of individuals at the moment, and like like Marseille, but with more of an excuse than Marseille, in that they really were thrown together over the summer. Bielsa was ruthless in getting rid of players and bringing players in. You know that you're talking double figures in and out for the for the first for the first for the first team squad or first team regulars, if you like. So it's going to take a long time for them to gel. They've got talent, uh, and if they get a win here, then who knows? They they you know up that that, that win it gives them that confidence again, gives them that belief again, and they could kick on from from this win. But lose it, and it's it's just a vicious circle, isn't it? They're they're back to that not believing in themselves and looking like a team who are disjointed and a bit timid. So a win here really would be crucial for them. And I hope they get it because it, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, Lille team, firing all cylinders would be great for the league. So um, an interesting game, but one that both sides need to win and Lille in particular. Absolutely. And, and Sam, there's more than murmurs really of discontent from the fans at Rennes at the moment. Will one more poor result like a loss against a team like Lille push things over the edge? 
it, it's hard to see how it can get much worse after the high hopes that I think everyone had for Ren coming into this season, but it just keeps going wrong and, and the fans are right to be uh, frustrated. This, this promised so much and has delivered so little and they are really, they've had a really good long spell last 10 years or more of quietly one of the better periods in the club's history. They haven't won anything, but you know they've been in Europe. They've been in the top half. Nice. At the moment they are really looking over their shoulder. They're equal with Dijon, nineteenth place Dijon, and it doesn't look like getting any better. Lille, as as we've just sort of talked about, Lille look like they're sort of getting things together. They're maybe not getting the results that some good players deserving, but. Ren don't they don't look like they're getting it together. They don't look like they're getting much better and they look like things might actually get worse. These these rumors this week. Crazy rumors. The the president was supposedly leaving the club. Then it was Gorkuf the manager, he was gone. Then it was a Chinese consortium were buying the club. All this sort of craziness doesn't come out of a club that is just ticking along. Things are happening nicely behind the scenes. They've cancelled their press conference for this week because they're, they're trying to install some sort of bunker mentality. It's it's not working on or off the pitch. The fans are right to be dissatisfied, and it's really hard to find reason for optimism for them at the moment. Yeah, we talked to them about on Monday's podcast. They had a real dip at the start of the season, and then things looked to be changing, and then it's, it's strange that they've faced worse teams in recent weeks, and it looks like the dip is, has started again. So what's the... Uh, this will be a tough one, really. I, I'm... I'm sticking with what I said on the other night. I think this might be a dreadful game, really, and I think it might be nil-nil. Um, Adam, what do you think? I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty terrible on those I might go one-one all though. Sam, I'm going to back Lille to to finally get a win. Uh, I think they'll probably just do it one-nil though. Yeah, and off Gorkov's head must it be if that happens as well. Um, the final game of the weekend is the big one, Le Classique, and it's always important for both sets of fans. But Adam, how important is it for Marseille to not really take a thumping yet again by one of the bigger sides in Liga? It's huge for them not to get thumped again. I mean, that, I think the, the, the Le Classique is, is at its best when it's at the Velodrome. The Velodrome is so much more atmospheric and so much more passionate uh, the, the part of the France and this, this this game falls in in, in at the at the Velodrome, um, and they lost this fixture five one last season, and they were torn apart by a PSG team who you know weren't even the best team in France last year and didn't win the league. Although they you know they still got very you know a high number of points and a lot of caveats to that 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 phrase, but or that 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 claim if you like, but they still got beaten five one by an under par PSG, so or below par PSG I should say. So and obviously they got they they as you mentioned there's they had a bit of a history of being beaten quite heavily by by the bigger sides in the league and most recently that six goal thrashing by Monaco who again seemed to be a little bit under par in, in hindsight uh, after that result given their form is dipped a little bit so for it to happen again I would would honestly I think start to put even more pressure on Garcia I know that they're fourth in the table and had that brilliant win at uh, Nice before the international break four two which is a fantastic game and you know deserve their win. I still feel that they're they're sort of teetering on the edge a little bit, like like that one bad result or a couple of frustrating losses or losses to sort of smaller clubs at home perhaps could really tip them over the edge. And I don't know that Garcia is going to be sacked, but I, I, anytime soon. But I, I, if if there's a combination of those things, that, you know, in quick succession, he could be genuine under pressure. 
and he could generally be out relatively quickly. And this is the type of game that could be a catalyst for that, because as you mentioned, it is huge for Marseille. And I think that really is shown by how many players that, uh, that, that Garcia did rest this evening, as I mentioned before, with Zambo, Payet, Mitroglu, Tuvan, Sakai, Amavi, all didn't play tonight in the Europa League, even though in the context of their season, this game is arguably as important. Um, so I, 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 they need a respectable performance. That's job one. Uh, to keep their fans on side, to keep the faith in Garcia from the board and from, from sort of the wider Marseille public, if you like, and just for their own belief, because they, they see themselves as challenging on this level. They see themselves as PSG's equal, whether they, whether they are or not. They're clearly not, of course. But as a club, they do. And traditionally, that's, that's probably the case. But they, they, they can't keep going on losing these games so heavily because that Champions Project, that sort of, that we've mentioned before on the pod, it's been a little bit ridiculous to call it that, um, becomes even more of a laughingstock every time they, they lose these sorts of games. And it just loses momentum and they lose belief. And they, they, they're even further away from becoming equal with those the bigger sides, well, the more productive sides in PSG Monaco in Ligue 1. So for all those reasons, it is huge for them. I think another 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 strong defeat, as you mentioned previously, Nathan. I think you predicted the, the previous game. It might have even been that Nice game that if they lost, Garcia could have been could have been you know close to the exit door. And I think a, a, a very heavy defeat could could do the same thing here. So huge for Garcia, huge for Marseille, and uh, even bigger for the fans. I think. Yeah, it's an absolutely enormous game for them, especially. But Sam. PSG have had a few tests away from home recently. They've come through a couple of them, maybe just about at least. But could this be a kind of game where they maybe maybe could crack? I don't think this is the game where PSG uh, give up anything. This, this game really suits them because Marseille are a team who are still finding themselves, but the one thing you could probably say is cohesion is not all there. And the one thing you need if you're really going to take on this PSG team, going to try and stop this PSG attack, the nine-headed monster that they can just roll out whenever they feel like it, you need cohesion. Marseille just don't have that. The the, the Nice game that we talked about, that was a win of, of spirit and of, of uh, esprit de corps. That, that's not going to be enough. That's not simply not enough against Neymar and, and all of his terrifying friends. PSG did stall away from home against Montpellier, but that was a Montpellier side, which, as we discussed, is is dense, compressed. Everyone knows their job. Everyone knows what they're doing. And they are not a team that takes a lot of risks. Marseille will take risks. They've got players who want to who wanna play, who want to take on the opposition, run at people, which is great to watch, but it's, it's difficult. I mean, arguably, PSG's biggest weakness is their back line. So that's the only way you can really see a way to beating them. But... That's a that's a very Marseille are taking a, a knife to a gunfight if they try and out attack PSG. Uh, I, I still think this could get very ugly for them. And that's the real worry, isn't it? It's it's only ever going to go one way or the other. It seems for Marseille at the moment. Um, final predictions. Then I'll, I'll let you go first, Sam. I'd love to see Marseille put up a fight, but I don't think they will. I think it'll be three-one PSG. Adam, I'm a five-one PSG. Same as last year. I will diddle in the middle with a four-one. Uh, so, yeah, I don't hold up much hope for Marseille. The defending on uh, on last weekend was atrocious at times, and Adil Rami, if he's facing the likes of Mbappe and Cavani and, and Neymar, he's a 
he's going to maybe have a difficult, difficult night, I think, in there. That does, should worry Marseille fans, at least, anyway. Uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Adam, Sam, and everyone listening at home. Uh, make sure to tune in to our 100th episode on Monday. So, please, it'll be an extra special one, so do join us for that. But for now, enjoy your weekend of football.